Good evening and welcome to another episode of Hitting for the Cycle. I'm your host, Hank and Dichter, and we've got a pretty big episode to cover for you. We've got the World Series preview coming up with our guest, Noah Dibler, who I'm sure you've probably been are very familiar with by now. He has now appeared on, I believe, three of the past five or six episodes, but it makes sense. His Atlanta Braves made a surprising and unexpected run to the World Series, and we will be talking about that very, very shortly. And of course, we have we have fittingly we have him for his cursed comment, woo, and um, a few more comments. I believe that's John Rankin, tight spot championship wrestling, Hank, and then sick and sexy hat. Well, I will be talking about this hat very shortly. This is my brand new review and preview hat that uh, Dom created. Shout out to Dom for creating this logo and. Gosh, I love these hat. I, hats. I was so happy to get my own last night. But anyways, before I get into anything else, it's time to start off with the plugs. And first and foremost, let's start off by giving you guys a friendly neighborhood reminder for where you can find us. Of course, as always, find us on all of our forms of social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We go live on Facebook. And of course, as you all know, we are also simulcasting on YouTube. So in addition to that, please do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. And folks, if you want to leave any comments for me on the side, whether it be on YouTube or Facebook or whichever platform you're watching your show, please leave one down below so I can respond to it. I promise I will try to respond and engage to all your comments and as much as possible as we go on because we have a lot to talk about. But first and foremost, before we bring on Noah Dibler, who will be joining in about 10 minutes, I want to quickly go over the Houston Astros and the RLCS. So when last I spoke with you guys, I had Alec Wall on the show. His Boston Red Sox were in the process of losing game five, and that was probably one of the pivotal games of the series. And in fact, as I had started recording that, the Astros put up a big inning, scoring five runs, and that pretty much finished off the Red Sox in that game. And as it turned out, Alec Walt was complaining about the Red Sox lack of offensive production, and they would only get one more run in that series. And that, that run just so happened to be an inning later when Rafael Devers hit hit a solo home run, and that would pretty much be all the Red Sox wit. Game six of that series, it was a tight, scoreless pitcher's duel. Rookie Louis Garcia had probably one of the biggest performances from all the Astros pitchers. He did not give up a hit in five and two-thirds innings, and he ended up leaving after the one hit he gave up was a Kike Hernandez triple that came within inches of being a home run. If you look at the Astros ballpark, those are some weird dimensions and, you know, a few inches higher would have been gone. And actually it probably would have been a home run at maybe at least 27 or 28 other ballparks. But again, that just goes to show you baseball is a game of inches and the Astros ended up taking early one, nothing lead and they would get another one. But obviously the game was aside in the seventh where the Red Sox had runners on first and third. They had the go ahead run at the plate. That was Travis Shaw, who I believe was pinch hitting. He struck out swim, swing, and Alex Verdugo, the runner on first, got caught stealing second, and eventually that would be the final nail in the coffin for the Red Sox. They did not pose another threat the rest of the game, and Kyle Tucker hit a three-run home run that essentially ended the series. And in the end, it really wasn't just the lack of Red Sox scoring that cost them the series, but they really didn't have the pitching depth to compete with the Astros. Now, Granted, Nathan Yavalti was pretty solid throughout most of the postseason, but ultimately he ran out of gas. And whatever you think of Alex Cora's p- pitching managing decisions, I think maybe putting him in the ninth inning of game four 
probably led to him getting burnt out. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because like him or not. And, you know, regardless of my feelings for the Astros, I'm obviously glad relieved that they ended up getting to the World Series instead of the Red Sox. But obviously, let's talk more about the Houston Astros. The Astros obviously are now in their fifth World Series in the last three years. And, you know, say what you want about them cheating and their method of getting to the World Series. This is still a good team. The Astros still have a lot of remnants. Well, I shouldn't really say a lot. Most of most of the team from 2017 is pretty much gone. In fact, had Lance McCullers been healthy enough to pitch in the World Series, he would have been the only pitcher in that rotation remaining from the 2017 team. But you still have Jose Altuve. You still have Carlos Correa. You still have Alex Bregman. And you still have Yuli Gurriel, all of whom came up big in the postseason. But the main guy that came up big in the American League Championship Series was Jordan Alvarez. He hit 522, and he became the first DH since Big Poppy to win the MVP of an American League Championship Series. And matter of fact, in game six of, of the clinching game, he went four for four, got a single, two doubles, and a triple, which means he came close to hitting for the cycle. See what I did there? But in the end, Jordan Alvarez is a good story. This is a guy who had a really solid rookie rookie campaign in 2019. He missed all of 2020, but not because he opted out of the season, but because he had to have surgery on both of those knees, thus ending his chance of playing. But he had a nice little comeback, and obviously he came up big. I believe he went 13 for 22 in that series. Definitely a big reason the Astros won. And not surprisingly, he was unanimously named the MVP of the series. And not to mention the Astros got some good pitching performances from Framber Valdez and, as I mentioned, Louis Garcia, both of whom will probably be factors in the World Series. But, you know, the thing about the Astros is what's the main feeling of them going into the World Series? Like, do most of you guys feel like feel better that they made it without cheating or worse? I don't know about you guys personally, but I feel kind of worse because, you know, as great as the Astros were and let's face it. If there was never a cheating scandal, despite the fact that they beat my New York Yankees in 2017 and 2019 in the postseason, to me, the Astros would have been a feel good story. Cause let's not forget. It wasn't too long ago that that team suffered three consecutive 100 lost seasons and had to pretty much build everything from the ground up. And they obviously had a good amount of scouting. Jeff Lunau did a pretty decent job of building the team. Ultimately, though, he was the one that created the culture of them stealing signs, or the elaborate culture of them cheating and stealing signs, whether it be banging trash cans or putting stuff into the scoreboard to, like, figure out what the opposing team was doing. So that, unfortunately, gets tarnished. But with that being said, unfortunately, we know the Astros weren't the only team that did that. There were other teams that ended up getting themselves involved in that, too. And, you know, they, they basically had the factor of the New England Patriots, where Back in the old days when they had Tom Brady, well, I shouldn't really say old days, but you know what I mean. Back when they had Tom Brady, the Patriots, for all the success they were getting, they were having, you knew they were going to get some like some scrutiny because of the way they went about their success. And fair or not, that's just how things were. But credit to the Astros, they could have been easily with regards to all the allegations about their cheating, but instead they kept on going. And you know what? Good for them. They're in the World Series and. You know, unfortunately, it makes things worse because I think they didn't really need to use the sign stealing. But, you know, it is what it is. And uh, anyways, I think some let's get some comments. We got Jacob Krukoff here. Krukoff, how's it going? Great to hear you chiming in. My mom's also tuning in. Always appreciate that, mom. And Noah Dibler, who is backstage. And we will get to Noah very, very soon to talk about his Atlanta Braves. Brantley is a frustrating batter. And yeah, I agree. I uh, listen, I respect Michael Brantley a lot. He is a good contact hitter. Someone I actually wanted the Yankees to sign in center field before the season, but I digress. He's another one of those clutch hitters that doesn't like go for the home run. And another guy who I think any team, any contending team really could use. And definitely a center fielder. I know a certain pinstripe team could have used as well. But in any event, let's talk about um, another storyline about the Astros. Dusty Baker is going to his second World Series as a manager. He's actually been to he's actually been to five World Series. He had three as a player for the Los Angeles Dodgers in the late 70s, back-to-back appearances in 77, 78. He does have a ring in 1981, but obviously when people think about Dusty Baker, they think about his time as a manager. And while he won a division every single place he went, 
Unfortunately, he has the stigma of losing a lot of big games in the postseason, and that can only change if he wins the World Series for the Astros. But with that being said, Dusty Baker is one of the more universally respected people in Major League Baseball, and you have to give him credit for the Astros because he came in under circumstances that were really bad with them having to fire their manager and their GM. And, you know, credit to him. He kept that team together and he's, he's one of those great personalities that teams like playing for. And again, despite his postseason failures, there's a reason he's won divisions everywhere he went. He, in fact, he came pretty close to winning world series with the San Francisco giants in 2002. That was his most world recent postseason appearance. And another fun fact about Dusty Baker the Astros winning that pennant guaranteed that they that Dusty Baker would be facing one of the two teams he spent most of his career with in Major League Baseball. However, that was not the team that most people expected, as most of his career was spent with the Los Angeles Dodgers. They were the team that everyone expected to pretty much repeat over the course of the season. But obviously, that didn't happen. And instead, he's playing against the team that he started his career with in 1968, at the age of 19 years old in the Atlanta Braves. But before we get to the Atlanta Braves, I want to quickly run down the Dodgers. So the LA Dodgers, they won 106 games before the season. Everyone had them as a super team. And all of them thought they were going to be probably the best team since, say, maybe the 98 Yankees or, heck, you could even put the 2018 Red Sox in there. But what happened? Obviously, they lost a tough series to the Atlanta Braves a lot of their good hitters did not produce. Trey Turner went 11 for 51 combined in the entire playoffs. Justin Turner was uncharacteristically bad, and the Dodgers as a team batted 234. But I'm going to play devil's advocate with with you here. If you remember the old show on ESPN, there was a show called Top 5 Reasons You Can't Blame. And so in the style of that show, I'm going to go for a few reasons as to why as as great of a roster as they had, it's really hard to fault the Dodgers for not being able to repeat. And I'm going to go over these as quick as I can before I get to Noah. Number five, Dave Roberts. Now, Dave Roberts has been criticized a lot for his usage of the bullpen and his overmatching. And you might think that's what I'm going to be going to crit- criticizing Dave Roberts for. And to a certain extent, he does deserve some heat. I mean, using Max Scherzer to close out the series against the Giants definitely didn't really help. And you could tell going into the NLCS, he was, he was still feeling the effects. He couldn't even get past the fifth inning in Atlanta. And then they had to scratch Scherzer due to fatigue, which meant that Walker Bueller had to start game six on short rest. And I don't know if that was really what the Dodgers had in mind, but in any event, you could also point to game five of the, of the giant series and them going with an opener as opposed to starting 20 game winner, Jose Arias. Now, again, the, even though it worked out, it definitely scrambled their pitching going forward. However, that's not what I'm criticizing. What I'm going to look at is game four. Trey Turner batted third. He won a combined fifth, 11 for 53, as I mentioned, this postseason. Probably should have dropped him down a few spots after his struggles at the beginning. Gavin Lux batting fifth. Didn't like that one either. But batting Justin Turner sixth really was another shocker. Because, again, this is a guy who usually came up big for the Dodgers in years past. He went five for 44 and it was obvious that he was not playing at hundred percent as we, as it turned out because he had to leave one of those games early. And, but then what's even more surprising is you had Cody Belger and Chris Taylor hitting seventh and eighth. And those were the guys that were probably producing the most for the LA Dodgers. In fact, if it wasn't for Cody Bellinger's three run home run in game three, the Atlanta Braves probably would have slept the Dodgers in four straight. So there you go. And Chris Taylor hit three home runs in game five and, He was one of the few hitters that was consistently putting up big numbers for the Dodgers. But in any event, I think that lineup decision was a big turning point because against what was pretty much a bullpen game for the Atlanta Braves, the Dodgers should have pretty much like done better. And they only, they did not get nearly enough runs and they got blown out. So I I think you could argue that was a turning point. But with that being said, I thought Dave Roberts actually did a better job this season than he's done in years past. So I can't put him too high in the list. And again, he also dealt with a lot of things in and out, in and out of his control. One of those being injuries. Now, another thing, reason the Dodgers are sitting at home on the couch, as I mentioned, Justin Turner's hamstring was killing him throughout the postseason, And it's likely that that was the reason for his uncharacteristic poor performance. You also had Max Muncy having that freak injury at the end of the regular season. And I'm sure his bat was sorely could have really was really missed. And then you also, 
as I mentioned, Max Scherzer getting burnt out. Joe Kelly getting hurt at the end of game four. That was another bullpen arm they lost. But what everyone forgets about is Dustin May. He was another one of those guys that was predicted to be a stud in that five-man rotation and probably was seen as like maybe higher in any other pitching rotation. So if he was healthy and while this wasn't an injury, if Trevor Bauer didn't pull any of his stupid shenanigans, that pretty much necessitated the trade of Max Scherzer. And injuries pretty much scrambled the rotation to the point where they had to use openers during certain stretches of the seasons, thus making the Max Scherzer trade necessary. And then obviously we know Max Scherzer ended up being hurt or tired over the course of the postseason. And a lot of bad luck happened to the Dodgers, basically, is what I'm trying to say. And injuries do not help. And, you know, when you really look at a lot of teams that win, luck is, has a lot to do with the, with great teams doing well in the playoffs. But now let's get to another team that gave them fits over the course of the season. San Francisco Giants. Not All year long, they were neck and neck with the Giant, the Dodgers for the division. They both ended up winning over 100 games. You had, like, gosh, like, a lot of guys in the Giants were coming up big, putting up big numbers. And then you had that stretch in May where the Dodgers pretty much lost nine out of 10. Giants took advantage and capitalized. Ultimately, that could have been a difference in the Dodgers having to play in the wild card game as opposed to, you know, playing in the, uh, as opposed to skipping out on that and winning division. But not only that, they were a major obstacle. They probably wore down the Dodgers over the course of that National League Championship Series. And, you know what? One of the big consequences of the Giants losing out on that division, it meant that they didn't get home field advantage in the National League Championship Series. So at the end of the day, as much as you want to blame injuries for the Dodgers, the San Francisco Giants played a key role, even if they weren't able to put the Dodgers away in the division series because they had to travel all the way to Atlanta instead of having to play game one in Atlanta. But ah, what about those Atlanta Braves? The Braves may not have been as talented as the Dodgers on paper. Now, normally, if I'm going to do a top five reasons you can't blame, I'm going to talk about why a certain team is better. Now, I don't know if that was necessarily true for the Braves, but regardless of whether that was the case or not, they had players that could match the Dodgers' talent, such as Freddie Freeman, Austin Riley, and Austin. And that's half of what was a really good infield. And while the Braves dealt with injuries all season long, they were also lucky enough that the Philadelphia Phillies and New York Mets fell apart down the stretch and they couldn't compete for a playoffs. And at the end of the day, they also had experience in a big series with the Dodgers that the Milwaukee Brewers did not have. Or, no, that's not entirely true. The Brewers did make it to the playoffs in 2018, but at the end of the day, the Brewers, this Brewers team, this lineup was not quite as good as the 2018 Brewers, whereas this Braves team was pretty much pretty much had a lot of guys from last year on the team that came pretty close to being the Dodgers. And not to mention, repeating a championship is hard. And that's the ultimate reason why I think the Dodgers didn't win. Baseball is a 162-game slogfest through the regular season. And as I mentioned, in order to, to repeat, you have to have a lot of luck go their way. The last team that repeated as a World Series champion was the late 90s Yankees. And amazingly in none of those years did they have a really severe injury that hurt their chances of winning and if you want to go back even further only one national league team has repeated in the modern era that's the 1970s big red machine and other than that there really aren't too many national league teams that have even made back-to-back world series appearances the 70s dodgers and the 90s braves and neither of them repeated either so it really goes to show you that for all the great teams there were in baseball history not too many of them were able to repeat. And so as a result, as great as the Los Angeles Dodgers were, it's really not too hard that, to blame that. It's really hard to blame them for not going to the World Series. And at the end of the day, you have to give the Atlanta Braves credit where credit is due. And speaking of the Atlanta Braves, I think it's time to bring on our guest for tonight's show, a recurring face who you've seen, as I've said, three of the past six times, Noah Dibler. Noah, how's it going? It's going good, man. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you doing, pal? I'm doing pretty well. And I got to say, you must be excited. You were telling me a couple days ago that the Braves were going to get swept. So far, doesn't look like that's happening. Well, to be fair, that was what I call a reverse jinx to where I say they're going to get swept. <laughs> so I hope they don't. Um, 
but it, it's crazy, man. You know, they got off to a perfect start in game one. We'll get into the, a lot more specifics about that later. I'm sure we're going to go over the NLCS as well. Uh, really excited to talk about the Braves. I did not expect them to be in the World Series like this. This is unbelievable. Yeah, no. And as I said, I don't know that they were necessarily the better team over the LA Dodgers, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. The The Major League Baseball postseason is pretty much a survival of the fittest. And while we know the Braves had their fair share of misfortunes and injury luck, they also got lucky too because they they played the Milwaukee Brewers, a team that a lot of people looked at and thought they could go to the World, World Series sorely based on the pitching depth that they have. But if you remember, when I first had you on the show and I talked about the Atlanta Braves, I said that I had a sneaky suspicion that Milwaukee was going to lose in the first round. And I, I think you may, I don't remember, but I think you might've agreed with me about that. But, and one of the big reasons I thought that was the case, the Milwaukee Brewers simply did not have the lineup that could compete with the Braves. Unfortunately, unfortunate is to say you had Christian Yelich, their big money superstar hitting only 250 and nine home runs, not production that you want to see out of a guy who is stuck in a long-term 15-year Bobby Bonilla-esque contract. And he is a big reason as to why the Atlanta Braves, or not the Atlanta Braves, sorry, the Milwaukee Brewers, funny, I'm getting two teams mixed up considering the city they used to play in. But in any event, we know why the Milwaukee Brewers are going home. And I would say another reason is probably their bullpen, which ironically is another thing you said you were concerned about. And other than in the Brewers series, they have been absolutely lights out Minter and Matzik have only given up a couple runs and you look at the Dodgers and the Braves they were worn out and ultimately what sometimes what can help you get through the postseason is the bullpen well look I, I gotta say this I don't think this is unfair at all I think the Braves were one terrible inning in game three away from sweeping a 106 win team which is very impressive obviously two walk-offs in games one and two really help I think it was Austin Riley in game one and of course Eddie Rosario in game two um, but after that, I mean, they were able to rebound from game three where they just basically got destroyed. Um, I, I think it was Chris Taylor that hit like three home runs in that game. He absolutely went off. But then the next game, they absolutely destroyed the Dodgers 9-2, I think it was. And then when they got back to Atlanta, uh, game six, what do you know? It's 1-1. Who comes up with a three-run bomb to give them the lead for the rest of the way? Eddie Rosario, another trade deadline acquisition by Alex Anthopoulos. Um, you know, it, it kind of gets old me having to praise them all all the time repeatedly. But the moves have worked out better than I ever thought they would. And um, going back to the Brewers, uh, you know, they're a talented team. But I think another problem with them is they've been to the playoffs a few times, but they don't have the pure playoff experience that teams like the L.A. Dodgers had where they're basically in it every year. Even, right. the, even the Atlanta Braves, they've been in the playoffs, I think, four straight years now. And every time they made it, they've gone further than they did the year before. Um, the Giants, you know, they still have a few holdovers from those teams that did win championships last decade. So I think that's another problem for them as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Braves are coming into the playoffs hot. You can never count out a hot team. That said, I never thought they'd yeah. just beat the Dodgers. And basically, I don't think the series ever looked completely in doubt. I mean, there were a few times or like you said, in game six, especially they needed Tyler Matzik to come in and strike out four straight guys to get out of a jam. But for the most part, they were leading in most of the games. They had a lead in pretty much every game, I think. Um, you know, they blew game three, like I said, but they won the first two, won game four, I, I think. So, um, yeah, I mean, they looked pretty steady the whole way. And like you said, the bullpen was really solid, which, you know, it's been very inconsistent in the past, kind of blown us a few playoff series in the past few years. But so far, I think it's actually been one of our strengths. And, um you know, we're going to get into the World Series later. We have a we have a key injury that is going to make the bullpen even more important than it was before. Very unfortunate. Yep. But, um, yeah, I was very impressed how they played against the Dodgers because, in my opinion, this is a team that, on paper, the most complete team in the league. I mean, they traded for Scherz. They traded for Turner. Um, Trey Turner, excuse me. They have a loaded lineup. Um, but I think the problem, like you said, they had a few injuries. That said, I don't want to hear any Dodgers fans complaining about injuries because we did have, you know, one of our best players out the most of the season. Uh, we had another starting outfitter out the entire year because he's, he's basically a terrible person. And then Mike Soroka was out the entire year as well when healthy is our best pitcher. So we've had our share of injuries as well. And uh, we were able to basically control the series from game one. Yeah, for sure. And let me read off Eddie Rosario's numbers for the NLCS. So in 25 hit at bats, he had 14 hits with an average of 560. 
three home runs, double and a triple, nine RBIs. I don't really think there was an, it was really any close because it seemed to me that every time Eddie Rosario came up to bat, he always had a big hit. Game four in particular, he had that big performance in the game that I really think was the turning point. And even though I probably told people, oh, the Dodgers are too talented, they're going to they're gonna come back from this. I think that was the game in the NLCS that pretty much told me that the Dodgers really didn't have it this year, if anything. And as I said, we can blame Dave Roberts for his lineup all we want. And like I said, it really wasn't a good lineup. If, mm-hmm. Essentially, if you look at game three, you had Cody Bellinger and and Chris Taylor. They were the two constants in the Dodger lineup that were really producing. I mean, you still granted you still had Corey Seager and you still had Mookie Betts producing, but they weren't exactly setting the world on fire. And considering Mookie Betts is a guy that they invested a lot of money to, you would probably expect more out of him in a series like that. But at the end of the day, that's also on Dave Roberts to look at that lineup and see, oh, maybe I need to make adjustment because if you really look at that game. If Cody Ballinger doesn't hit that home run, and before he hit that home run, the Dodgers look absolutely dead. They're bad. They only scored two runs. Mm-hmm. And all it took was was him talent bailing them out for them to even be in that series. And I was telling Walt on the next day, because at when we were recording, that game hadn't started yet. It was two to one. We thought the Braves had a missed opportunity. But then Dave Roberts making those lineup decisions, I think, were key because Trey Turner should not have been batting third. I'm sorry, but as good of a hitter as he is, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying, I'm not saying he should have done what Joe Torre did with A. Rod years ago and batted him eighth. Not at all. I'm not even saying he should bat him sick, but I would have, I would have maybe dropped him a few spots lower in the lineup. Maybe you see better pitchers to hit. Justin Turner also shouldn't have been batting sixth because, mm-hmm. as I mentioned, the guy wasn't healthy. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Got to give credit to the Atlanta Braves or credit to Zoo. They, I believe that that was a blowout, wasn't it? I think it was nine to two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, game. game five, not or game six, uh, game four, nine to two. Um, they they smashed us eleven to the next game. Then we closed out in game six. So, yeah. And as I said, the key factor in that series was Eddie Rosario. He had a home run first at bat. His second at bat, I believe, was when he he had another three run home run later on, and that pretty much was nail in the coffin. But all in all, to make him MVP, it makes sense because, as I said, drove him most of their runs. Without him, the the Braves probably aren't in the series, and I think it was a very justifiable choice. And really, it was a no-brainer. Yeah, and, and I mean – You know what the crazy part about Rosario is? So, you mentioned Alex Anthopoulos, which, as much as you want to say it gets old praising him for a lot of his moves, it's necessary at this point mm-hmm. because you got this guy – all you had to get rid of for him was Pablo Sandoval. Yeah, who sucks and is fat and old. So, <laughs> Ask Red Sox fans. <laughs> They're still probably not too happy about the fact they had to pay him for a couple years after he was gone. And not even just him. Jock Peterson had some big hits too. And I mentioned this too on last, on last night's episode of Review and Preview. I mentioned that Jock Peterson, the Dodgers had a chance to reacquire him, but they straight up said no. Look how that came back to hurt them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, once again, we have to give credit to the moves. Um, I'm, I don't know if you saw this saw the stat last night in the game, Hank, but Eddie Rosario had 14 hits in that series, which ties an MLB record for hits for a player in a single series. Except he's the only one who has ever done it in six games. All the others needed seven games to do that. So you could argue very fairly, honestly, that he had one of the best playoff series we have ever seen in MLB history. Um, that said, another key, you mentioned um, the Dodgers bats kind of struggling. It's not a good sign when two of your most productive players are Cody Bellinger and A.J. Pollock. No disrespect Cody Bellinger, but he's had a terrible season. Um, he decided to finally wake up in game three and, you know, have a good impact. It's in the series. I also do want to say I think Luke Jackson, one of our labors, might have had a bet on this series going to game six because he's just terrible against the Dodgers. Good luck. I will, I will say though, he was good last night. So I think it's just against the Dodgers. He even he even did a. Uh, I saw an interview he did. He did a Pedro Martinez. He said, "You know what? The Dodgers are my daddy. They just they just hit me no matter what I do, no matter what pitch I make." So I got to I got to give credit to him having a sense of humor for that. But yeah, when I'm looking at the stats, I mean, Chris Taylor, AJ Paul, Cody Bellinger were the three leading hitters. Other than that, I mean, you mentioned Seager, fantastic shortstop, really struggled. Will Smith was a guy last year had a massive home run for them to basically end the series against us. He struggled as well. 
Trey Turner, I think, is a fantastic player. I don't know what it was. He just looked a bit off the whole way. Justin Turner was battling injury. He never looked fully healthy, uh, missed a bit of time as well. And another key, and I, I was very surprised when I looked at these statistics, but it makes sense considering we had a few games where we absolutely exploded. Um, one of the keys that we mentioned when I was on last time was the Dodgers pitchers, Max Scherzer, Walker Bueller, Julio Arias, guys like this. And when you look at their statistics, Walker Bueller for the series played two games, started them both, 7.04 ERA, 2.478 whip. So he struggled. Julio Arias, who was a 20-game winner, Hank, 10.50 ERA, 2.167 whip. So the Braves lineup produced the best against these star pitchers. And we saw it in game, last last night in game one as well, getting to the pitcher early, which, get, you know, that really helps their bullpen get confidence, get a lead. They don't have to worry about it. You know, if if, if they need more runs, the offense can go out and get it. Um, Max Scherzer was good, but like you said, they, they clearly overworked in this playoff series because he just never looked 100% right or ready, even though he did actually pitch well. Um, but like you said, do the Braves have, you know, a more talented roster? Maybe when healthy can make an argument, but with the injuries, probably not. But when they need the clutch hits, they got walk-offs in game one and two. Uh, in game six, it was tied 1-1. Eddie Rosario comes up, belts a three-run bomb to give him a 4-1 lead. Bullpen is able to close it out. They dominated game four. So, you know, other than I'd say all of game five and a terrible inning in game three, they always looked like they really had it handled, which considering they were playing a uh, 106-win team, that you'll remember I actually picked them to win the World Series over the Astros. Very yep. impressive series. Yeah, I probably – I think I had – I don't know if I had the same prediction. I thought the Giants were going to upset them in the first round, actually, because of the wild – because I thought the wild card game was going to have a negative effect on the Dodgers. But even though it did, we didn't really see the signs until later. But in any event, the Astros are the team that I am – I'm not the least bit surprised that they are back here in this spot. and. Let's talk a little bit about your thoughts of the Astros. Now, as we know, this is their third World Series appearance in the last five years. Obviously, for me, it's a tough pill to swallow because two of those years, they had to go through the Yankees to get there. And while granted, as much as I want, I could make all the excuses I want about the Yankees and like the Astros like banging trash cans and whatnot. The fact of the matter is, in those years, the Yankees didn't have the pitching to match the Astros. Mm -hmm. I mean... We could have had Justin Verlander during the August of 2017. He was available, ma- being made available by the Detroit Tigers. Yankees didn't want to get him. Okay, fine. There are other pitchers I would have rather had that Brian Cashman could have had, but that's a discussion for another day. Ultimately, we know that came back to hurt them, and they also had to go through Dallas Keuchel as well. Then you look at 2019, and by now they have a loaded pitching rotation of Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Zach Greinke. At least one or two of those guys should have been Yankees sooner. Now, granted, we did get Garrett Cole for that mega extension, but again, I digress. This is still a talented team. Say what you want about the way they went about success. And again, as I said on the sh- earlier in the show, I am in no way condoning what they did. I mean, I, in fact, I know other teams did the same thing, but I don't agree with them either. Mm-hmm. And just so happens to me, in, in my opinion, the Astros happen to be the more talented team. Because as I said, you still have Altuve, you still have Correa, you still have Bregman. Guriel, while he's not as talented as the other three, is another clutch header. And, you know, again, as much as, like, I want to criticize the Astros and ridicule them, I have to give them credit. Because you know what? At the end of the day, that team embraced the hate and used it as a rallying factor, much like the Patriots used to do back in the day. Yeah, well, look, I've made as many Astros cheating jokes as pretty much anyone probably has, and it's deserved because, you know, they did basically steal signs electronically and it helped them win a World Series, I think. But you have to give them credit. Like you said, this isn't 2017 anymore. This is four years later. It's 2021. Most of the players from that team are still there. I assume they're not cheating anymore. Not really. the, well, the only guys you really have that are prominent that I mentioned are Bregman, Correa. Altuve, but those are also three of their best players. So that exactly. does need to be accounted for. Um, exactly. You know, they bring in a guy like Michael Brantley, who's just, like I said, he's a very frustrating batter. He's, Always been a guy I look at that's, you know, very consistent, never been an elite, flashy player, but he just always does a good job. Even when the Astros were struggling last night, you saw early on, he was the guy getting most of the hits, getting on base. Um, I think it was the second inning. They had him on a hit and run or whatever. Um, they put him on a – it would have been a double play if he didn't go and hit a run, helped to extend the innings, little things like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't I don't like the Astros, um, not because, you know, 
it's not just because they cheated. It's because of the way, the circumstances, if you will, because like you mentioned, this is a team in the Astros that was terrible for a very long time, multiple 100 loss seasons, um, but they rebuilt. They they did what I think fans want to see a team do in baseball to where they rise from the ashes from being the worst team in baseball by far. They rebuild to get these young, exciting players in, and they actually end up winning a title because of it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll readily admit, when that World Series was going on, I was rooting for the Astros 100%. I hated the Dodgers. Um, the Astros had a, had a nice, exciting team. So I was happier than anybody when they win the World Series. But then, you know, when that news come out comes out, it makes you very disappointed to see a reason probably why they won that World Series. But you mentioned mm-hmm. they made the World Series in 2019. Obviously, they lost to the Nationals. They're back again in 2021. I'll tell you what, Hank, last night, you know, it's fair to say the Braves had, you know, a comfortable lead most of the game. But I'll tell you what, even when they're up 5 nothing, 6 2, I was still nervous because at any moment these guys can knock it out of the park. Um, I'm sure we're going to get into some specific plays um, later, but this is going to be a very tough series, man. They're going to probably going to win tonight. They don't want to go down 2 nothing in Houston. They're going to need everything they have in this game. We got Max Freed going up against, I think it's your kitty. So it's going to be a yeah. tough game. Um, the key is, you know, what are we going to do in Atlanta? Three games in Atlanta. It'd be really nice if we could try and close it out in Atlanta because if we get back to Houston, it's going to be very difficult. Um, and obviously we have some injuries to worry about now as well. It's going to be a good series, though. I will say they looked fantastic last night. I mean, they were phenomenal from, from literally the third pitch of the game. They were up. So it's going to be tough. But, you know, as much as I've ridiculed the Astros in the past, this is not the same team anymore. I listened for trash can sounds very, very closely last night. Didn't hear anything. Nope, I didn't hear any either. So we'll, we'll see what happens. It should be a good series, hopefully. Maybe John Boy did. John Boy, I don't know if you've heard of him. He's a yep. YouTuber who he has he has a video of compilation of all their like trash can banging. I was checking it out. Probably one of many videos I actually was checking out when we were in lockdown during the pandemic. So I definitely got a kick out of that, but it still was tough to watch. But even I do have one more question I want to ask you about the Houston Astros before we get into game one. So my question is, do you think it lessens the whole criticism of, of being cheaters in the past, or do you think them being in the world series and possibly winning makes it all worse? I don't think it lessens it. You can't take away what they did that single year, but I think it also shows as well that they're still a very talented team. And even without it, they can still make a run. Um, so, you know, it should be acknowledged what they did that year and all that, but this isn't 2017 anymore. It's yep. 2021. They're still, you know, a very good team. They made good additions to the few players they do have left from that first uh, World Series championship team, and you know, they're still very competitive. I mean, I think both of us had them in the World Series representing the AL. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that just tells you that they're still a very good team. And, look, I know they looked bad last night, and we'll get into game one and all that. Uh, they're not going to go away quietly. I know that they're gonna they're gonna fight. It's gonna be a tough series the whole way. Probably going six or seven, I'd say. Um, but yeah, I w- it's gonna be tough, man. I- I'm still very nervous. Even last night when the Braves had the lead basically the entire game, still very very nerve wracking game. Every pitch matters. You know when you get behind to guys like Altuve, Correa, uh, Bregman. You know two and zero, three and one. You're like they can knock it out of the park at any moment, especially in that stadium with how it's, you know, laid out and all that, except for when, you know, Gurriel, literally in every other stadium that would have been a home run by Gurriel. But Oh, my gosh. It is what it is. That reminded me a little bit of the Kike Hernandez triple. Like, it was hit in a similar area. I don't think it was the same place, but it was hit in a really similar area. That big fence, like, in left center that I'm ta- that you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Another inch or two, both of those would have been home runs. And if Kike's had gone out, that would have tied the game. And now you look at – and with Gurriel, it was worse because the Braves luckily formed a good relay. He was out at second, and mm-hmm. I was worried they were going to overturn that. But then when I saw the replay, he was clearly out. Like clearly The guy's out. glove touched his fingertips. And so yeah. we got a comment from uh, Josh Lane. He says, let's go, Bravos. Appreciate well, you Appreciate you tuning in, Josh. And um, – in the meantime, I think now it is time to talk about game one of the series. So game one, you had to have been feeling pretty solid. Like mm-hmm. you had Charlie Morton starting that game. And if you remember I from what we were talking about in past episodes, I said that Charlie Morton was an X factor in your rotation. Yep. An Andy Pettit-like pitcher, if you will. You know, mm-hmm. not an ace, but someone who's had the experience. 
of past postseasons. And not to mention, ironically, he was on that Astros team in 2017. So you had to think that he knew how to pitch Jose Altuve and Carlos Cray and all those guys. But then, obviously, the ultimate worst-case scenario happens. He only gets to pitch two and thirds innings, and then he gets injured, and it looked pretty bad when I after I saw him striking out Jose Altuve. However, the injury turned out to be worse than I thought because I believe he pitched the whole inning on a broken ankle, and then when he goes back in the dugout, it was reported that he had a hurt fibula, which from what I've from what I understand, by the way, side tangent, fibulas are one of the most painful injuries mm-hmm. you can have too. So that was that definitely not a good loss. And um, how does this affect their bullpen going forward? Because I would imagine there's going to be one or two games the rest of the way where the excuse me, where Snitker is going to have to go with an opener. Yeah, it's very tough. You know, first of all, I do have to say major props to him because you know. Last place striking out Altuve, I think he threw about 16 pitches with, with that injury, and he still he was starting to get it going. It was honestly the best he was pitching. It looked like he was settling down. Then, unfortunately, mm-hmm. like you said, you know he strikes out Altuve, great pitch as well, but then he goes down awkwardly and all that, has to exit the game, and it turns out he has a fractured fibula, which if you don't know, which um, some people might not know, it's a bone in your lower leg, which is mm-hmm. a very important part if you're a pitcher because it helps yeah. your drive delivery and all that. Um, so he was pitching on basically a broken bone in his lower leg. Um, so losing him is it's killer. I, I'm glad you actually mentioned Andy Pettit because it, it reminded me um, they showed a graphic last night that Charlie Morton is something like three and zero in winner take all games. And what was Andy Pettit known for being clutch in game sevens and all that? Even if he wasn't ever a you know a fantastic top tier pitcher, he always got it done when it mattered the most. Losing That's him, right there. yeah, losing him is killer man because he's a clutch pitcher he has tons of experience um and another thing as well we knocked out framber valdez very early in this game i think it was the third inning we got to him um i can't remember who was who it was who hit the two-run bomb it might have been adam duvall it was duvall yeah Yeah. that made that made it five nothing uh, chased framber valdez from the game that said um he did pitch terribly in game one against the red Sox, and we saw what he did in game five so i'm not counting out valdez just because he had a bad game but right. because we chased Valdez out of this game, got into their bullpen, if if um, Charlie Morton was starting to settle down, he could go five, maybe six innings. That would right. have given them a massive pitching advantage for the rest of the series because their bullpen would have been more rested than the Astros. The Astros used fiber levers last night compared to four for the Braves. So even though Morton was knocked out, it's still a slight advantage. But if Morton was able to go, you know, six innings, let's say, and the, the Astros had to use six relief pitches. That would have been a massive advantage for the rest of the series. Unfortunately, he gets knocked out. It kind of negates that advantage, advantage a little bit. Best wishes for him as well because he he luckily he did already sign that contract extension for 2022. Um, Ken, Ken Rosenthal did say he should be back for spring training, but obviously he will miss the, the rest of the World Series, and it, it's very killer. We're going to have to rely on Max Fried, who's starting game two tonight. Ian Anderson as well. And I think we're probably going to see Drew Smiley, who was very good in, I think it was game, uh, I think he started game four. Or might be, yeah, game four sounds right. Yeah. So he had he has pitched before. So we'll see what he can do because he's probably going to be now that third starting pitcher we have to use without Morton. But he's killer, man. But I will say once again, what a beast throwing all these pitches on basically a broken leg. That that was just unreal to, to hear about. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's a warrior. But I will say this, though. The Astros have a similar disadvantage, too, because mm-hmm. I mentioned Lance McCullers. He was the ace of that staff. He yeah. had a, he had a few big wins for them. Or, no, he had one big win for them, sorry, in the division series against the White Sox. But then he gets hurt, and turns out he can't pitch against the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. It seemed like the Red Sox had a bit of an advantage there. But then, unfortunately, even for the Red Sox, even with that, they still – their hitters – Seemed like they forgot how to hit after the first inning of game one. And then, as I mentioned, they clearly did not have the pitching to keep up with the Houston Astros. And so now we look at the we look at it with the Braves. Even with Charlie Morton, though, you should still feel be feeling pretty solid, I would imagine, mm-hmm. because Max Freed, you look at his numbers in the second half, he absolutely carried that rotation. Like yep. when Jared Carabas from Barstool, and he's one of the biggest baseball fans I've seen on on Twitter, like tweets out saying I want Max Freed pitching a good game I think that means he's doing something right and McCullers by the way would have been interesting to see him in the World Series because he was the as I mentioned besides Verlander who we know is hurt and I don't whether he's going to be pitching again we don't know but 
McCullers is actually would have been the only pitcher in the rotation to have still been there from the 2017 team. Actually, mm-hmm. I'll tell you another fun fact. Actually, his father pitched for the Yankees in the early nineties. So, but in any event, Max Freed going in game two, are you, are you generally optimistic about that game? Uh, yes and no. I'm optimistic that Max Freed is on the bump because like you said, I have total faith in him, you know, with Soroka out, he's definitely been our best starting pitcher. Uh, the thing I would say is the Astros are going to be out for blood, man. They do not want to go back to Atlanta down to nothing because that'd be a very difficult hole to climb out of. And like I said, they have a lineup to where they can basically knock it out of that park at any moment. Um, there are a few plays I do want to go over in specific. Uh, I think it was the bottom of the fourth inning. AJ Minter was pitching. And I got to say as well, man, you know, the, the Morton injury sucks, but Minter coming in and throwing a career high 43 pitches, two and oh, two thirds inning. It was fantastic. And this is a guy in the past that has gotten a ton of criticism from Braves fans, myself included, but this season mm-hmm. he is massively improved. So I have to give him credit for that. But uh, it was bottom of the fourth one out. I think it was um, a little grounders to Dansby Swanson. He muffs it and a run scores. I think it was five, one at that point A run scores. I think it might've actually been, I think they might've gotten one out. I can't remember, but there were th- two guys on base. They were down, Five to one. Luckily, they got out of it. But on a different night, you know, what should have been a game inning or inning inning double play up five nothing. They could have gotten, you know, an air a run on that air, then hit a bomb after that for three runs. It could have been five four nothing just like that. So yeah. I, I'm not going to harp on Dansby too much. This is actually a Dansby jersey I'm wearing, funnily enough. Um, oh, that's sick. Yeah, it is. Um, but I'm not going to harp on him too much because Joe Buck did mention that was the first error. The Braves have had the entire postseason. Their defense has been phenomenal. So, um, you know, I'm not going to harp on it too much, but I'm just saying on a different night, that could have been a colossal mistake for an inning that should have been over. Another thing I want to point out, Astros' bullpen is really good, man. When their bullpen got in, they just kept striking us out over and over. So, you know, if if they have to rely on their bullpen more, we need to see the Braves, I think, hit a little better than they did, even though they still did get some opportune runs. But – you know, they got off to a great start. Obviously, Jorge Soler becomes the first player in World Series history to hit a home run as the first leadoff batter of a World Series. I yeah, didn't know that's that. that's crazy. That is, I, I can't believe no one has ever done that before, but he's the first one. Um, I mean, some... yeah, no, the only one I can think of was Derek Jeter hitting his first pitch home run game four of the 2000 World Series, October 25th, off of, I believe it was Bobby Jones. But other than that, I, I can't think of any other guy who's like first batter of the game hit a home run, especially not in game one of the World Series. Yeah, no, that, that was a fantastic start. I mentioned Duvall had a two-run homer. Uh, Riley got a hit. I think he he got that second RBI in the first inning, so he did mm-hmm. a good job as well. Um, some good base running as well. I can't remember what inning it was, but I think, um, you know, we got a fly, uh, sacrifice fly. I think it was Dansby Swanson moved both the runners up. Um, the guy on third was able to go home. I think it might have actually been um, Duvall who scored that one. I can't remember entirely. Uh, but, you know, they were able to get a an, a run basically on the base paths. They basically sacrificed Jock Peterson. He, he he was instantly out, but it allowed the runner to easily score without a throw. And um, one thing I liked uh, mainly early in the game was how disciplined the Braves were. They got a lot of 2-0 counts, 3-1 counts. And, you know, when you're pitching to guys like Austin Riley, Freddie Freeman, you do not want to fall behind in the count and give them count leverage. They also had a lot of counts where I think there was one with Freddie Freeman. There might have been another one as well where they fall behind early 01 and 02, but they battle it back. They they foul off a lot of pitches. They're getting that pinch count up here up there. And I think Freeman even got a walk when he was down 02 in a count. Mm-hmm. So that is fantastic to get those pitch counts up. Um, but that, like I said, as it got into the bullpen and all that, they started swinging at a lot of, you know, pitches that weren't exactly there, striking out a ton. So I want to see them improve that. Uh, no more errors, please, when we can end an inning and, you know, they can hit a three-run bomb right, right after that. That could be concerning. But I was impressed with the bullpen. Luke Jackson played well. Obviously, I mentioned Mentor's heroics. Uh, Matzik is a stud. Will Smith, you know, he, he there was one um, pitch against, I think it was the Leibniz Diaz, that had me worried for a second because there's absolutely a moonshot, but luckily it was about 10 feet foul. So um, we'll see what happens there. I do not expect the Astros to just be shut down like they were most of that game again. They're going to come out swinging in game two. We're going to have to probably score a ton of runs in this game. Um, if you remember that Dodgers-Astros World Series, I don't remember what the score was, something like 12-10, might, maybe a game like that tonight. Um, we'll I think see it was 12-11. They... Are you talking about game five? Yeah, it's just absolutely high scoring right to the end. We might have a game like that. 
or Kitty is on the mound for them. So I think we can definitely get some hits against him. But Max Fried is going to have to give it his all, man. No falling no fall behind to the studs in this lineup. Um, another note I want to add is I think uh, Brian Snicker did say Eddie Rosario is leading off this game, which, you know, hit machine he is. That should be a good move. It's, you know, not very often you see a power hitter like Corey Soler leading off. But then when he, you know, jacks at about 500 feet, you can say, okay, it, it worked out. Yeah, for sure. And, again, R- Soler hitting a home run, Adam Duvall hitting a home run. See a little pattern here? Yeah, I do. All these yeah, guys, with that. all these guys, men brought in July around the trade deadline to fill in the holes in the outfield. They even mentioned on the broadcast. I have to give Fox a little credit. I didn't think they would be that smart because they're usually not, but they did mention that we got all these guys in the outfield around July uh, to fill the holes. And they even showed a graphic at some point. Basically, I think all four of the outfielders were traded for had at least a hit in this game last night. And you know, Duval yep. and Solaire with the home runs. Peterson got on base. So um, very impressive. You know, I thought they were good trades at the time. I did say they were good trades. I didn't think they'd be, you know, in LCS MVP level, World Series home run smashing level trades. But here we are. And, you know, we still have the core players. We mentioned the infield when I was on here the first time. Freddie Freeman and Austin Riley playing well. Swanson, you know, not putting up remarkable stats, but he got, you know, good contact when he needed it. A lot of good outs in the in the game for the Braves as well. Um, Swanson had that uh, sacrifice fly, but it was about 10 feet away from being a home run. There was another deep contact. It might have been by Duvall. I think that was about probably 20 feet from going out of the park. A lot of good outs. Uh, I just want to want to see them, you know, try and cut down on the strikeouts against the relievers. Obviously, I know it's tough because they're absolutely loaded in the bullpen. But, you know, try to get some more good contact against the bullpen. Um, try and get the pitch count of Urquidy up because I, that's key. We need to keep consistently getting into their bullpen as early in the game as possible. And, um, like, I don't think we're going to go up 2 nothing because Houston is going to be uh, pretty bloodthirsty, to be honest, I think. Yeah. But um, if they can at least, you know, if they lose, but they, you know, get a ton of pitch counts, you know, Urquidy might be out by the forfeiting or whatever, and they have to dip into the bullpen again. Just do whatever you can, man. Uh, make them throw as many pitches as possible. Get it back to Atlanta, you know, with a split. They've already negated, even if, you know, the Braves lose 20 to nothing tonight, they have already negated home field advantage for the Astros. So just get back yes. to Atlanta, get get your guys well-rested and all that uh, on the day off. See what we can do. See what we can do at Atlanta because I, I think you'll test this, Hank. Those, that, that home field atmosphere in Atlanta, I mean, you saw it in game six. It was just absolutely oh my unreal incredible it's absolutely incredible i have never heard them be so loud in my life and i've been watching them for about 10 years now so hopefully they keep that up man because that home field advantage it's going to be very tough even for a team of the astros experience and talent to deal with that so one other thing i want to point out too before before we wrap up this 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 show in this segment so another thing i mentioned with walt one mistake that the Red Sox made that I think that cost them the series that I also didn't mention earlier, mm-hmm. they kept in the losses that they had, whenever they would have leads, those leads were never big enough. And that was big because the Astros, as I said, they have a lineup where on any given night, they can score as many as five to 10 runs, possibly even more where, cause you look at game two and game three, game two, the Red Sox are, no, I'm sorry. It was game three was where they had the six, nothing lead with Kyle Schwarber hitting the grand slam. But then you look at the Braves win; they did the same thing. They went up five, nothing granted. They obviously could have had at bats later on, like you mentioned, but you know, I think they did a good job stepping on their throat earlier. And you know what that, that I believe that base running play you mentioned was in the second inning. It was Jorge Soler. He hit into a fielder's choice to the shortstop. Obviously, Jock Peterson, to his credit, gave himself up at third because he knew that, like, Darno was going to score. But I think that was big. And, you know, in other in other words, I really think the Astros in that game, they created their own luck. And that's what you have to do because, you know, you had the 5 nothing lead earlier. And, you know, imagine if they didn't score all those runs. Remember the – um, what was it? I think it was Maldonado that was at bat when they scored the run. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. It was McCormick. He had the fielder's yes. choice that you said should have been inning-ending double play. Yes. What if that tied the game? How much different of that? How much different could this game have been? Think about that. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, I'm not that concerned because Swanson, I think, is usually a good defensive shortstop. It did right. kind of eat him up a bit. 
Um, Ozzy Albies also, also made a really good play in this game at second that I think ended the inning. It might have even been bases loaded, if I remember right, when he got that play. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just some good contact for the Braves. I know there were two plays by Jose Altuve where he had to make massive efforts to just get the outs. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, they were hitting into good spots when they weren't striking out, obviously, but they're hitting into good spots. They're getting good contact. Um, another thing I want to say uh, Jordan Alvarez, he's a fantastic player, so we need to try and at least keep him in the ballpark as best we can. Um, I know there's that stat he has two triples in his last two games. That's an outlier. That's not going to be consistent. Yeah. And and the and the uh, the triple he did get, I mean, I think it was misjudged slightly by Duvall, which really helped him as well. Um, but it's going to be tough to keep him in the ballpark at you know in at Minute Maid Park. I mean, it, it's a really solid home run park if he hit it to the right spot and not in left center field and all that. But I will say on that Gurriel play, good throw by Rosario. I mean, he was just easily out, and that was an ending-ending play as well. So that was a key play. Um, I just think, you know, we're going to have to keep relying on the bullpen. Guys like Matzik, uh, Jackson will have to do his part. A.J. Minner, heroics last night. He's probably going to need a bit of a rest, though. Um, so it's interesting to see. If Max Freed can go, you know, five, six innings, the Braves will have a good chance. But if he gets roughed up early, they're down 2 3 nothing, and all that, they have to go in the bullpen then that kind of negates an advantage for the Braves. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. The Braves have the lineup to score runs. They've shown that. I mean, they got up early. They were able to hold it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just going to be what are they going to do in a game where, you know, it's 2-1 or it's 2-2 going into the late innings? What would they do then? That's going to be interesting to see because you're not going to hit a home run on third pitch every game of the World right. Series. Eventually you're going to have to grind a result out. And um, it's going to be tough, man. I'm excited for the series. Obviously, I'm definitely nervous, of course, because every pitch matters in the play- playoffs. I mean, it's crazy when you know, you're up 5 nothing, 6-2, and you're analyzing carefully every single pitch the guy throws, and he's down 2 nothing, and you're about to basically pee your pants because it's a guy like Jose Altuve up there. So I'm excited, man, but it's going to be tough. I- I'm really, really hoping they can pull it off. It's not going to be easy, though. But, yeah, I think – so here's my take for game two. I think this is a big game. I know, like you said, the Braves are going back to Atlanta. They still have the home field advantage, but I think it's important. If they can't win this game, it's very important that you let Max Freed eat up maybe, I want to say five, six, possibly even seven innings because of what we already established about your bullpen situation. I'm not saying he needs to go out and throw his arm out and pitch a plate game or anything like that, but Definitely need some length out of him. And if they can do that, I think they have a good chance because you look ahead to game three, the Astros have Louis Garcia pitching for, for them starting. They have, well, the Braves have Ian Anderson. I know not that the Braves are in bad shape with Ian Anderson, but like, you know how he pitched in his last start. He didn't mm-hmm. allow the Red Sox to have a hit until Kike Hernandez had that triple. That would have been a home run at possibly any other ballpark. Maybe it would, if it would have been a few inches higher. So I think game two is probably a bigger game than you might realize. But in any event, I still think right now for the time being, you're in good shape. I think they got to keep doing what they did last night. I mean, you look at how teams beat the Astros pitching and that's work the count, just get into the bullpen early and often. And I think ultimately that's the key to the series. Now, before we end this, I do want to know what's your uh, prediction for the remainder of the series. Oh my God. Sorry to that's- you. That is so tough because, you know, I've been pondering in my mind over and over, but um, I know I said Astros and four, obviously that wasn't serious. I think we have a chance. Um, oh my God. It, it is really so tough. I think if they can go back to Atlanta tied one, one, or look, I'd love if they go up two and oh, because that'd be a massive chokehold on the series. But if they can at least go back one and one and, you know, win, say I'd say two games in Atlanta to get back to Houston three, two with two chances to close it out. I think they could do it. So it's very premature. I usually hate picking my teams because I'm a bit of a jinx. So I'm just going to go Astros and seven to be safe. Um, okay. But I, w- but I will say um, I think they can do it, man. And obviously if they win game two, that'd be massive, but I don't think they will um, cautiously optimistic, you know, dare to dream. If you will, Atlanta fans, you know, expect the worst hope for the best. That's what my what my mindset is right now. Um, so I'll cautiously say the Astros barely win the series. Um, hopefully the reverse jinx is on with that, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Not in four games, though, at least. So there's that. Yes. <laughs> but um, in any event, here's how I see it. I think, obviously, if you look at this based off the lineups, I think the Astros are slightly better. But again, 
I thought the Dodgers were slightly better than the Braves too. So Mm -hmm. take that for what it's worth. That's probably a grain of salt. However, with that being said, I think Lance McCullers is a bigger loss than people realize. They may true it may they may have lucked out against the Red Sox, but against the Braves, I don't know if they're going to be as lucky. I think the Braves, even without Charlie Morton, they still have the slightly better pitching rotation. My only thing with the Braves is don't let it be a close game getting down to the bullpen because then that's a mystery box. And if you know fam, if you know this Family Guy reference, a mystery box can be anything. So there you go. I think it will be. Very close. I have the Braves in seven, but again, I'm not saying this with 100% confidence. I would not be the least bit surprised if the Astros came out and won this. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. If the Dodgers were in this World Series, I would have predicted the Astros. No joke. I even said that before the Braves clinched their series. I would have picked the Astros if the Dodgers somehow come back because – Obviously, the Dodgers were not in rough shape, but that the Dodgers are a story for another day. And I'll talk about the Dodgers and their offseason moves at a later time. But obviously, this is about the World Series. And I think, as I said, I think the Braves will win. I think they have the hitters. They have the plate discipline to where they can take a starter out of the game early. They know from game one that they got to put their foot on the throat. Otherwise, if, you, if you're in a close game with the Astros, it's not mm-hmm. going to end well. But we'll see what happens. And once again, Noah, I want to say once again for the third time in the last five, six weeks, thanks again for talking to some Atlanta Braves. They were a very unlikely team, but it has been a lot of fun getting your thoughts and your insights. And before I end the show, I do have to ask, where can we find you? Yeah, over in the sweet uh, the sports box, which you know basically partners with Review and Preview. We collab all the time. Sweet tea show with my Pretty man. Go- with my man Garth Michael Patrick, Friday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, you know, we talk a lot of college football, talk about the NFL. Um, we're probably going to avoid talking baseball because last last year when we uh, mentioned the Braves up in the NLCS, what do you know, they blew it. So probably not going to mention any baseball until after this series is over. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what they can do, man. This isn't the – I will say, even though the Astros are very good, this is an opportunity because is, this isn't a Houston Astros team with guys like Verlander, Grinky, and McCullers out there. No disrespect to guys like Framer Valtez and Jose Urquidy, but this is an opportunity for those batters to go out and get runs early. So we'll see what they do. I'm very excited. But, Hank, my friend, it was great once again. We talk a lot of baseball. I know I, I think I joked a few days ago. I'm basically an honorary co-host at this point. I mean, that's not a bad thing, though. You you provide good knowledge. If Listen, if, if Garth allowed me to steal you, I would, but I would never do that. You know that. But in any event, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Even when I was on, uh, I think it was Big Blue Avenue, that was a really good talk as well. So um, <laughs> I, I just need to stop rambling on. I need to start getting some cliff notes. You know, I, these two-hour shows I do on Sweet Tea get a bit old after a while, but uh, it's all good, dude. It, was, it was a lot of fun, man. Uh, it's been fun watching the Braves be basically the surprise team of the entire season, I think, with the injuries they've had. So even if they, you know, I'll be devastated if they lose, obviously, but I will say, you know, even if they do, they're going to get back some really good players next season, be even better. And if they win... Well, look out because we might have the the makings of a very special run for the Atlanta Braves in the next few years. For sure. And who knows? Hey, maybe for all I know, I could end up having you back on next week for the right reason. And that could be the first Atlanta champion. Actually, it would only be the second Atlanta championship of all time. Incidentally, you know, the other one mm-hmm. was the 95 Braves with Gladys, Glavin, Maddox, Smoltz and the boys. Yep. Great team. And again, the closest, I believe they were actually the closest nationally team to repeating since the 77, 70, or no, the 75, 76 Reds. Yeah. And uh, of course, you know, who played, who they played in 1996. Don't think I forgot about that, but obviously they did beat, <laughs> they did beat Cleveland in six in 1995. So see if, see if they can win Atlanta's first major title since uh, I don't even count the one that the soccer team won since 1995. Um, it's going to be very interesting. And they have a stigma as well. Freddie Freeman even mentioned this, try and break that Atlanta curse. So, We'll see if they can do that. Oh, gosh. I can't believe I didn't mention Freddie Freeman. Before I before I sign off, I do, I, want to me- I do want to mention if there's any one person I would be happy for if the Braves win the World Series, it's him. So many games with that organization. He practically grew up there. And let me just say this right now. I don't think he's leaving the Atlanta Braves. He, want, he loves it there. I, I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon. He has been pretty much a staple for that team, given his all. What, at the end of the day, I would imagine his number is going to be retired right up there with Dale Murphy, yes. Warren Spahn, 
and the big three pitchers that I just mentioned earlier. And he very well could even get a statue if they go on to win this World Series. But in any event, I want to thank you again, Noah. You can find him on the Sweet Tea Podcast for the Sports Fox, another channel that we tend to collaborate with a lot. And I've met a lot of good people through the Sports Fox, such as you and uh, Brian, such as you and Brian, who's like me as a hardcore Andrew fan. But in any event, if you want to follow us, you can of course follow us at all of our social medias at Review and Preview Sports. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Review and Preview Sports. And of course, do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. As you know, we simulcast these shows not only on Facebook Live, but catch us on the YouTube channel as well. Folks, thank you again for tuning in. You have watched another episode of Hinton for the Cycle. I will see you next week when we preview the aftermath of the World Series. But until then, I will see you next time.